The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Miracle of Healing, where we come together every week to discuss and discover a roadmap to healing. I'm your host, Lisa Campion, and I hope you can join us since the world needs all the healing it can get. And we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on Mind, Body, Spirit FM. Hi, everybody. I'm Lisa Campion, and this is the Miracle of Healing on Mind, Body, Spirit FM. So what do we do when we're faced with loss that we feel like we can't live through? And I don't think there's any loss more profound than having to lose a child. Today, we're, we're going to talk about living grieving with Karen Johnson, whose fast-paced professional life came to an abrupt halt when she lost her 27-year-old son, Ben, to a heroin overdose. And rather than kind of grieving in a traditional way if there is such a thing she really moved into the unexpected she quit her job sold her house all of her worldly goods and went on an incredible spiritual journey went on a shamanic walkabout that took her all over the world and helped her find a spiritual practice that brought her comfort and understanding and along the way she opened up her psychic gifts which i thought was incredible since you know that's sort of my role is to teach people to manage our psychic stuff. I'm super happy to speak with you today, Karen. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your just tragic and also beautiful story with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Wow. So quite an astounding shift in your life, right? Yeah. It happens. And I, I loved how you, how you talked about sort of the days before and time, time before and time after mm-hmm. um, these tragic events that happened. So can you share a little bit about your story and what happened? Sure. Yeah, I could call it before death day and after death day. And right. sometimes death is a doorway. And for me, it was a huge doorway into a spiritual path. And so I had a 27-year-old son, Ben, who was in this realm. Now he's on the other side. And um, we <clears throat> I knew that he was struggling, you know, as many young men and women do, to find his place and to be a successful. He wanted to be a businessman and all these things. And he, I, I knew I was going for a week in South Korea and I knew I wanted to have a big talk with him when he got back, you know, because I knew he was struggling and going back to college and, you know, trying to refine himself after a business failure. And so I was in South Korea when I got that call, you know, it's the call that you get when your stomach just turns over. And I 
even though I was in South Korea, I hadn't felt well that afternoon. And as soon as I got the call, the caller hung up. And I thought, but I called right back, which I don't normally do because we all get so many robocalls, right? And the person that answered was a detective. And he asked me, you know, are you Karen Johnson? And and are you Ben's mom? And I said, yes. And where are you? And I said, I am in South Korea. And he said, well, and I said, why? And he said, well, um, Ben passed. Ben is dead. And I, you know, of course, all the screaming and cry, how, why a heroin overdose? Wow. He wasn't a heroin addict. Uh, he, you know, it was really unexpected on my end, you know, so whether or not he had dabbled before in drugs, I don't know, but I know that the Emmy looked and there were no other needle marks. So, um, he was a big guy, six, eight, and they just gave him way too much. Yeah. And died almost instantly. And that just changed my life completely. I, I wasn't prepared to do or deal with it. I didn't have a spiritual path of any kind. I really had kind of rejected religion, even though as a child I saw, uh, you know, a figure that looked to me as a fairy, a fairy the kind with wings, you know, that appeared in my backyard and lived in my tree and that I played with and my invisible friend. And then I had another invisible person that lived in the basement who was an Indian, appeared to me like an Indian chief. Mm-hmm. And so even though I had, and I was terrified of this one. And so even though I had this experience, I cut all that off. My mother said, don't tell anybody, you know, that's, uh, they'll think you're crazy. And so it's a lot days, like my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. I probably would have yeah. thought you were crazy, you know? And so yeah. I put that all away and, um, So then, you know, my son Ben's death was that doorway back into a spiritual path and um, reconnecting with my Claire's, you know, all those Claire's, clairsentient, clairaudient, clairvoyant, Claire, Claire, all the different Claire's that we can open up over time. It doesn't mean you're going to get them all at once or if you only have one that you are out of luck, or if you don't have any at the moment that you're out of luck, these things open up over time as we open up to receiving them, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's sort of very, very similar. We had similar childhoods, you know, and I never shut mine down. So I just, but I did pretend to be normal in public, and then spend the rest of my life, like, I was like, I can't, I can't show this, because I knew that was trouble, you know, but I spent the rest of my life trying to figure out what was really going on. And, you know, now I help other people that are going through that. And I, I do think that things like sudden death, whether it's like we have our own near death experience or we can you know, come close to death through somebody near us can pop open our psychic abilities very strongly, especially when we've suppressed them. Right. And it sounds like that's what happened for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so I did the unexpected and I ended up retiring, selling my home and all my possessions and traveling the world for two and a half years with two suitcases and a carry-on. <laughs> so I could go anywhere, anytime. Along the way, you know, looking, I was asking for Sufi masters and shamans and priests and all sorts of people about information, about grieving and death. I just didn't get it. How was I supposed to go on? What was I supposed to do? How was I supposed to pretend that this thing hadn't happened? And there's a lot of pressure in our society. To, it's time to move on. It's time to get over it. It's time. Yeah, we sort of suck at grief, don't we? Like totally. we just don't totally. do it very well. 
It's like you've got yeah. six weeks of Hallmark cards and casseroles, and then you're everyone's tired of hearing about it, and you're supposed to move on. Right. But that's not how it works. I mean, yeah. No, it's like, well, let's not talk about that. Oh, you mean the elephant in the room? <laughs> let's not talk about that elephant that's standing there. And so mm. all these, th- you know, it, it's, we know that there is transformational wisdom in many other things like getting married, having mm. children. We know mm. that it's life changing and there's an energy around that and grief. We want to put off to the side and pretend that there is nothing to it, that it's just going to end because we make people very uncomfortable. We, the grieving yeah. So we tend to, and, and they are uncomfortable, we're uncomfortable. And so grieving people tend to isolate themselves. Same thing, like if you're getting a divorce or you're a widow, all these, you kind of self-isolate. You learn that you make people uncomfortable. And, it, because um, it it's like, if it, if it happened to you, it could happen to me. You know, yeah. if it's like, you know, that we live in this, like I, idea of reality that we're insulated from that especially in our modern world maybe for the first time in history where we haven't you know had people die at home and laid them out in the kitchen on the kitchen table or whatever you know now we have this sort of insulating thing oh that doesn't happen to good people it's not to people like me and and that when we have something like you experience it just smashes that illusion yeah you know and i think that's what other people get uncomfortable about yeah. And, and so death is associated with despair and hopelessness and sadness. And we don't want that. We don't want to deal with that. We want to deal with joy and happiness and all those other sides. Mm-hmm. But life isn't like that. It's the yin and yang. It's the black and the white. It's the up and the down. It's that polarity is always there. And, and so grief has a certain wisdom that you can tap into energetically and really use it to transform your life. And that's what my book is about. How might we do that? Yeah, I think that's really the wise way. I mean, the people I know who have really processed deep grief, like you have, have allowed it to sort of open them, you know, like to open them, to transform them. It's like an initiate initiation experience for the person that died. Clearly they're, they're changing their state. It's the ultimate initiation experience. And, but also for those of us who love them, you know, that if we allow that to transform us, we can. And so I just want to just really honor that, you know, that's an incredible journey. It takes incredible courage to lean into that and let it have its way with you, you know, instead of leaning away from it like most people do. So I just wanted to really honor that act of courage. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. How did you settle on shamanism of all of the spiritual, of all the spiritual exploring you did? Why that one? I think because it came to me in its own way. Um, I ended up working with mediums. So the story is that I, I could feel and sense my son around me. And, but I couldn't hear what he was saying. And so I went to a medium, something my left-brained uh, Fairfax County, Virginia life never told me there were mediums around me. And it turns out <laughs> there's a whole lot. So I, I, I went to one and I said, he's right there. He's standing right there. I can't hear what he's saying. Can you tell me what he's saying? And so she's afterwards, we had a great session. And she said, you know, you might have some skills too. Because most of my clients have no idea that their loved one is standing right there and that they can see them. And so I went on this journey to open up my skills, really just to see Ben and talk to him more. Uh, And then that journey went deeper and deeper. And I ended up going to an evolutionary astrologer and who's 
very famous and has been doing this work for many, many, many years. And he said, ah, you're um, moved from Uranus to Neptune. So you're becoming a mystic. You've mm. chosen, your soul has chosen the mystical path. And I thought, now what in the heck is a mystical path? I have no idea what you're talking about. And he said, well, another client like you that I had became a shaman. And I thought, a shaman? They mean there's shamans in this day and age, <laughs> right? And so then, you know, I got off the phone call and I Googled shamanism and the four winds popped up and Alberto Viotto. And three weeks later, I was on a plane to um, Joshua Tree, California for my mm -hmm. first shaman course. So it, wow. I think it's that serendipitous journey. That was my journey, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I've always been a huge fan of, of him and his work. He's an incredible, mm -hmm. incredible shaman. And, and I really love how he has sort of updated shamanism into yeah. something that's a little more modern that, you know, people, us Westerners can kind of find meaning out of and connect to. Mm -hmm. And you've created sort of a a formula for people that are dealing with this incredible loss by using the energies of the four directions to process mm -hmm. this kind of like earthquaking kind of event. So let's, let's talk about that. How did that, how does that work? Yeah. So as a little prelude, you know, there's a lot of books out there that'll tell you what to do when you lose somebody, you've got to then um, go out to a movie or you've got to go out to dinner and all these steps that you're supposed to take along the way that will help you to heal. But most people I talk to find that they're just not ready. They're not ready. They're not ready. They're not ready. And so I was tapping into that. What is not being ready all about? Why is that a big hurdle? And so my book is really sort of a precursor to all of that. And it's mm. more of a spiritual precursor where we're going to sit in ceremony with a pie pan and a book and candle and really sit very quietly and ask yourself 16 questions. And the 16 questions or practices are things that people have heard about, like non-suffering, non-doing, non-judgment, the beauty way we've heard these in different environments, different ways and different places, but to sit there really and access your own heart and say to yourself, who am I judging? Right. Who's judging me. Right. So we have all this rattling around in our heads all the time that we don't take the time to really address. And so Addressing it by writing it down on pieces of paper that you're ultimately going to burn because with shamanism, fire is the path to rapid transformation. And mm -hmm. actually, I think many traditions use fire and candles. So you walk into a temple, you walk into a church of many different kinds, and they'll have candles you can light for your loved ones. And so sending the prayers by smoke is something many people are familiar with. And so we know about entering that sacred place, that sacred space of a church or a temple or a holy area and how different it feels. So it's entering in that way, creating it around you with a candle and with silence and really sitting and with radical honesty being able to write down, I'm judging my sister, I'm judging my mother, I'm judging these people that weren't there for me, the doctor, the whoever, we can say it with radical honesty, because it's not going to be a, in a notebook somewhere for somebody to find, we're going to burn it. Mm 
Mm. And we're going to burn it with the intention of releasing that judgment and opening our hearts to different ways of perceiving and feeling. And so the same thing with non-suffering. We make ourselves suffer so much with the stories we tell ourselves. I should have done this. I should have done that. I shouldn't have gone to Korea. I should have, you know, done this, or I should have told them to go to the doctor. I should have made them do this. So all this clutter in our heads, this ruminating clutter, we go on and on and on. And it, it really, really is so harmful to us. And being able to write it out, put it down on pieces of paper and then burn them, frees us up. And so by the time we go through the 16 practices and we go around the medicine wheel, we start in the south direction in the Andean medicine wheel, and we get to that place where we're stuck. People get profoundly stuck. You've heard of so many people that they create a shrine to their loved one's room. They never take anything out of there. They start to stay in. They don't meet people all those sorts of things. So we take someone from being profoundly stuck through getting lighter and then kind of resurrecting like our loved ones do on the other side, looking around and saying, oh, well, I'm here. What am I going to make of this? And then finally looking at the end where we are reborn into a new life that honors our loved ones. And so, yeah, so we yeah, want beautiful. to say, yeah, a lot of people say, well, if I move on, my loved one's going to think I don't love them or people around me are going to think I don't care right. or right. So we're, we're very worried that somehow our moving on or, or moving, finding our way through death is going to be a negative, uh, a negative, but our loved ones on the other side already know that we love them and they're rooting for us to move on because when we don't move on, they don't move on either. They're kind of, we're holding on to their kite strings a little bit. So we want to free them to do all the beautiful things that they are to do, work with ascended masters that there is to do on the other side instead of holding on so tightly. And I love how you use, like, if we, t- we talked about death as sort of this initiation experience, you know, and ritual is often a huge part of initiation experience. And so I love how you created these rituals that help us move through the stages of loss, grief, acceptance, and, and kind of like call that out to the front so we have a, a process yeah. we can do that sounds more powerful than and more comforting than than just sort of hanging out in the stuck place. Yeah, for sure. And also hanging out in the stuck place is not good for us energetically and physically. So many of my clients that come to me for shamanic work, if I look back far enough, they've got cancer, they've got autoimmune, they've got the, I will find unresolved grief or loss. Yeah, absolutely. That stays stuck in the body and then manifests in a physical way. So we want to be able to move that energy of grief and not store it in our body. And one of the practices is um, indigenous alchemy. So what does that mean? A native or inherent desire for change. And I think as humans, we're really built that way. We're built for change. We're not built to remain stuck and stagnant. And the stagnation and the stuckness can lead to physical illness. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's what we're doing with these exercises is to begin to see where 
each one of us is stuck because we're all stuck somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Something we've been hanging on to, something we feel guilty, shame, blame, guilt, the, mm. the perfect trifecta. We're holding on to these things. And as we can begin to release them and let them go to God, not for us to resolve, but God, spirit, the collective consciousness, whatever you believe in, whatever your religious spiritual path is, release it to a higher level. So we're up-leveling everything. We're not staying in our reptilian brain, everyday brain, fight, flight. We're up-leveling to the neocortex, the brain of ceremony, where things Mm -hmm. move like a feather blowing in the wind instead of the physical level where everything is heavy, 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 heavy. I love it. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to hear about what you learned about what happens when we're on the other side. We are back with Karen Johnson in her beautiful book, Living Grieving. So Karen, you've discovered a lot about what happens when we die, sort of this quest to find out what's happening to your son, Ben, from, from the other side. What did you learn? What do you, where do we go when we die? Yeah, I, you know, I think that's such a great question, too, because most of us live in fear of death. One of the biggest fears we carry with us is death. And one thing that I found, my experience with Ben, is they're right on the other side. The veils are so thin between the worlds. And so almost every tradition has this plane, the earthly plane, and then some characterization of in between, Mm -hmm. whether you call it purgatory or you call it different realms or whatever you call it, Sukhavati, whatever you call it. So, but heaven is another realm. So heaven, Nirvana, whatever, the great collective, whatever it is, however your tradition sees it, there's usually three different levels. And sometimes spirits will spend some time in between. They don't go on to the highest level um, because they're being held back. Usually they've, Mm -hmm. sometimes they've died very unexpectedly. They committed suicide and they're terrified that they're going to go to hell because that's a lot of traditions teach that. And or we're so attached and they see us suffering. So I know it took about a year and a half for Ben to be able to fully cross over because I was suffering. So, um, and I think many people are in that spot where we're screaming, bring him back, bring him back and screaming and then throwing up and throwing up to throw up blood and, and really mm-hmm. being dysfunctional. And, and so there is that little bit of holding on where they see us suffering. So, mm-hmm. And then there's the expectations of culture and society. Oh, you have to, grief should look like this. Grief should take this path. We should wear black all our lives. We should never move on. We should, you know, all the should, should, shoulds. And so we could possibly, we're stuck. And as we're stuck, they're stuck. And so the beauty of it is Ben and I work together to help souls to fully transition to the other side. And we too can help our loved ones to fully transition by allowing ourselves and our grieving process to fully go to that aspect of rebirth. And if we like just wanted to speak to our loved ones, like how would we do that? What are some of the ways that you talk about in your book about 
you know, maybe like a lot of people think they're not psychic or think that's something only special people can do, but really anyone can, you know, um, yeah. if, we're, if we're open to that. How do you recommend we might try that? You know, we all have to start where we are. And some of us have been told all our lives that there isn't any more. Dad is dead. There's nothing there. They go on and that's the end. So <clears throat> if you open up your mind and your heart a little bit to sensing, feeling something, maybe the wind on your cheek, maybe a wind chime, chiming every time you go out, even if there's no wind, maybe a butterfly showing up in the middle of winter, something like that. Things that are just out of the ordinary. When we allow ourselves to open up to the out of the ordinary and look for synchronicities and things like that, pretty soon our abilities that we're exercising that psychic muscle in a way that we haven't maybe ever exercised it before. And so it's just, I think it's a process of opening up and allowing it to take time. Maybe you sense the person and that's perfect too. Maybe you don't see them. You're not clairaudient. Maybe you can't hear them, but maybe you have this knowing. So we all have different ways of experiencing psychic psychic phenomenon or the other side, however it is. So it's that, like you said, that little bit of being open. Yeah, I love that. I think when we open, those signs are everywhere. You know, you have to pay, mm-hmm. you have to pay attention, you have to notice it, you have to be open to letting the messages come in. Because I do feel like, you know, I was one of those, like, I see dead people kids, <laughs> you know, I was always seeing the world of spirit. Then I've just heard from so many, seen and experienced so many people from the other side that, of course, I know, I know that it's true. And even so, I get a little worried about death, you know, like I, even though you think I might know better, I know it'll, I'll be like nervous when it's my time and have to deal with the, just surrendering into that experience, right? Yeah. Having a little faith about it. Yeah. And yeah. I think once you realize that there is not only life after death, but it's not the life of eternal slumber, but people, right. have, you know, they actually have things to do and they have fun and they have people they are with and they, they're not alone and they're not scared and, and when you realize that, that it makes it so much easier than, you know, this yeah. grim reaper kind of thing that we have in our society. Oh, you know, and it's going to be terrible and we're going to cease to exist. And, and that's just not what I've seen. Yeah, me neither. And all the dead people that I've talked to, most of them tell me that it's a lot harder to be alive. Like we have the hard yeah. side of the fence, you know, and it's easier where they are. Yeah. Yeah. So Ben, I mean, Ben is much happier where he is. I mean, he's ha- living the good life. And actually, the the last time I was saying the last time, you know, death days and birthdays are tough. And they come up and they kind of hit you each time. And and um, and I was like, oh, Ben, you know, I'm missing you. Come down. And he's like kind of shows up and says, Mom, you're kind of being a bummer about this. You know, I'm right over here. You act like you don't know anything. And right now, I'm. he's like, I'm in the Jesus pod. Okay, Jesus, it's not like in the Bible, but I'm in the Jesus pod. It's really cool. And so quit ringing my doorbell. I'm like, like a 27-year-old man, right? Don't, don't bother me, Mom. I'm fine. Don't bother me, Mom. I'm doing something. <laughs> I'm doing something, right? I'm doing and something so, important. What more could, um, as a mother, what more could I want, really? Right. So knowing that makes it all a whole lot easier for me to imagine my own death, you know, and imagine how I might 
handle that. We, we don't know. I mean, we could be hit by a car on the way home. We could, so many things that could happen, but hmm. being prepared in that way and knowing, oh my gosh, as you heal your chakras and as you heal yourself in so many ways, and as you transform this grief, you know, we can go up through our chakras very lightly. Yeah. And exit our physical body. I think that's beautiful. And I think your work is so timely because I mean, so many people have lost people like you you have through, through heroin, through fentanyl, through overdoses, and then through the pandemic, you know, all the people that died really suddenly, unexpectedly, and weren't able to communicate with their loved ones, you know, in their dying moments, because of the way hospitals had to be with the pandemic isolation and stuff. I feel like you're, you know, we've all lost, we've all been through losses, so many of us, and so unexpected, surprising and difficult when it's a sudden death like that. So I feel like your, your book is like more important than ever. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it works for people who suffer any kind of loss, you know, a partner, a business, mm-hmm. um, a marriage, uh, so right. many losses, freedom, you know, and, mm-hmm. and working through these exercises and finding out where what's holding you stuck, what's really holding you st- hostage, what are your thoughts and beliefs and emotions, cultural, family, so many things that if we really look at, we can say, oh, I'm, I'm ready to let that go. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to change my perspective and do things differently, see things differently. Well, thank you so much for writing your book and for your sharing your journey with us, because I feel like for many people, this this is something that's like a deal breaker for them. Like they can't get over it. They can't get through it. They can't figure out how they're going to live. And you um, sharing your journey as deeply as you do and as personally as you do right in such a personal way is totally inspiring, like, you know, that we can, we you know, we see you do it. We, we know we can also do it. So I just wanted to thank you so much for sharing so deeply who you really are. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about how people can find your, find your book and find your work. Yeah. So my website is karenjohnson.net. And on there, I have all the different services that I offer. And, um, and I have a a couple of free upcoming events in November and December, a despacho, a prayer bundle to honor your loved ones. And um, another thing that has to do with suffering and non-suffering, how we might not suffer. Mm-hmm. And um, and then a five-week class that we're going to take and we're going to go around the medicine wheel together in community on Zoom. And so it's so healing for people to mm-hmm. see others and experience and talk to others who are also in this grieving process and how we might become lighter, and how we might move on. So in in my book is also on Amazon, karenjohnson.net, and Hay House, the Hay House website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Karen. Thank you. And thanks all of you for being with us. I know you love that conversation. And right now you're just going to hit subscribe. So you're not ever going to miss a word of all the amazing things that we talk about on the show. So if you want to visit me, you can come and find me at lisacampion.com definitely stop by and visit. I work with psychics, healers, and empaths that are opening their gifts. And I help train people because I think the world needs all the healers it can get now more than ever. Thank you so much for being on the show here on The Miracle of Healing, where we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on Mind Body Spirit FM.
Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.